between tween his he hit him with the jab, get a good look, good look, good look, good look, good look, good look, good look. Iso zones, breaking bones. Put your hands up when you get sent home off a good look. Good look, good look, good look, good look, good look, good look. It's the good look podcast. It's the good look podcast. It's the it's the it's the it's the it's the good look podcast. Yes, sir, and welcome. Welcome, welcome to episode 50 of the Good Luck Podcast. I am your host, Leonard Pinkney, a.k.a. Agent P, a.k.a. L. Pinkney, episode 50, y'all. Sorry, there was a little bit of a delay with this one, um, but I'm back. Here to give you guys another pod. Sorry, there won't be any video of this, so YouTube, it's just going to be pretty much the logo playing. You can still watch slash listen on YouTube, but there won't be any actual Uh, like video of me talking it'll just be the audio running over it but everyone listening on the dsps uh pretty much thank you appreciate the support 50 episodes in this has been really awesome so thank you guys for 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 rocking with me for this long um this episode won't be too long um but i do have some things that i do want to talk about so i'm gonna go ahead and get right into it um but first and foremost uh, one of the legends in the NBA passed away um, during this time that I haven't been able to get any episodes out. Elgin Baylor, um, the great Laker, one of the greatest Lakers, one of the greatest players of all time, um, passed away. Um, and it was he had an amazing career. Um, he was also an executive with the Clippers for a while. Um, the biggest, the, the most notable thing I remember I read about him and... It was one of the most incredible feats I've ever heard about a basketball player. Um, He averaged 38 points, 19 rebounds, and 5 assists in the 1961-1962 season. And that was in 48 games played. And you think, okay, 19 rebounds and 38 points is insane, and only 48 games, so why do you only play 48? He only played 48 games because my man was in the military at the exact same time he was playing in the NBA. So he was only allowed to play on the weekends uh, for the Lakers that season. And in those games, he was averaging 38 and 19 going to work. So it's one of the most incredible stats um, and feats in basketball history that I've ever, ever seen in my life. Well, not seen, but I mean, read about, you know, so. Shout out to Elgin Baylor. You are truly a legend. Um, and, and thank you for your contribution to the game. Uh, he was, just even before, he was one of the first high flyers in the game as well. Like, if you talk, if you hear interviews with Dr. J or Mike or um, old old ones of Kobe, you'd hear them talking about this dude was the original high flyer. He took the game vertical. Um, and, and everyone who plays that way today, you can pay homage to this man who who did a lot to contribute to the game so appreciate you elgin baylor katie returns and harden leaves james harden's gonna be out for at least 10 days after he tried he took a rest tweaked his hamstring came back only played a couple minutes and then ended up exiting the knicks game and he is now going to be on the shelf for at least 10 days um but right when he leaves, Kevin Durant comes in. So exit one superstar for the Brooklyn Nets. 
They just have so many toys on that team, they can bring in another one. And here is their best player, Kevin Durant. I, I was watching the game. He didn't play at all in the first quarter. Didn't come in until about eight, seven minutes left in the second. I thought he wasn't going to play, um, but apparently he just needed more time to warm up. He ended up finishing with 18 minutes played. And guess what? 17 points on 5 of 5 shooting because he's Kevin freaking Durant. Seven boards and five assists as well. Had six turnovers, but kind of expected when you have missed almost two months of game action. So it's going to be interesting to see how KD looks with this team um, for this little stretch. But obviously more interesting is when James Harden eventually comes back and can finally have this big three. Maybe get 10 to 15 games together before it's actually postseason time. It's going to be crazy seeing how these guys end up figuring it out. They are my objective NBA Finals pick still. Um, Still riding out with that pick. Um, But if the Nuggets somehow play the Nets in the Finals, then I will switch that up, you guys. Just just saying I will be a homer. You cannot blame me for that. Excuse me. So Kevin Durant, Kyrie still playing amazing basketball. Um, the Nets are real. They dropped a buck thirty nine, and I know it's against New Orleans. Who cares? Um, but the Brooklyn team is real, man. It is what it is. All right, so I got a couple more topics um, that I want to talk about. The first one I'm gonna talk about is ESPN. So they put out their under twenty five player rankings. Um, they're twenty five under twenty five. And they based it not on who, how well you're playing right now, but they based it on future potential. So I think this is a way, of course, it's a way to like get attention because when you do these rankings, you're basing them not on how good the players are now. Because if you do that now, you're probably not going to generate as much controversy and as, as many clicks, as many looks, as many impressions, all that stuff as you would if you based it on the criteria that they set and that was future potential future potential is the key phrase here and that's what makes this list intriguing and to some infuriating you got i'll, I'll run through it really quick it's one through 25 luca zion Lamelo, donovan mitchell jason tatum darren fox ben simmons devin booker bam Adebayo, shea gilgis alexander brandon ingram Jalen Brown, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., John Morant, Trey Young, um, Mikael Bridges, DeMontis Sabonis, Anthony Edwards, DeAndre Ayton, Tyrese Halliburton, John Collins, uh, Jared Allen, Lonzo Ball, and rounded it out is Colin Sexton. So, 25 names, all under 25. Some of them are almost going to age out, but it's the key here, like I said before, is on future potential. So the big, big thing that got everyone up in arms is having LaMelo third. So LaMelo this season is averaging 18-6-6, six, and 6-6 six, six, six point guard who can make every pass known to man on top of playing with such flash that you just gravitate to the screen watching him hoop. But he's also only played like 30-ish games. <laughs> he's only played 30-ish games in his career. Um... And still doesn't play any defense, but based on this list, they think he has the third best future star potential, whatever you want to call it, of all these players available. And I think LaMelo is going to be really good. But if you already think that his potential is going to be higher than Donovan Mitchell, 
who has the number one seeded Jazz in the in the Western Conference right now. Then Jason Tatum, who when he was just a 19 and 20 year old was getting the Celtics, helping them get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Ben Simmons, who's an all-league defensive player. Devin Booker, who's criminally low. <laughs> who's not criminally low on this list, but these are just these are just the names. Bam is See, this is see, I'm even pushing and pulling while I'm talking about it. I get it. You guys are talking about future potential. But this is saying that if he's a notch below Luca and Zion, who are Zion is on the cusp of maybe being an MVP kind of player. Once he starts opening up the rest of his game, Luca is already there. You're saying that's what LaMelo is, essentially, by this ranking. Or that he's the kind of player that will lift up a team to get to the point eventually where you're saying by the time he's 24, he's going to be someone like a Jamal Murray, per se, who gets a team to the Western Conference Finals. Or a Jalen Brown, who's a healthy contributor on a team that gets to the Eastern Conference Finals. That's what you're saying in terms of these future rankings for these people. I think they're saying more so that these guys are almost finished products, or they're at about... 80% about where they're going to be, so they don't really have as much future potential going forward. If you say that, then you might might put LaMelo number one because he is the youngest on this list. But I think you have to find that balance here, and I think that's the problem. Especially, I'm I'm a cat from my guys a little bit. Jamal Murray, he's gone to the Western Conference playoffs three of the last four for three straight seasons and gotten a team to the Western Conference Finals, and he's shown that in the postseason, he can be the kind of player that you can rely on to make a really deep run in the postseason. I don't see how that player could be ranked below De'Aaron Fox, who hasn't even sniffed the playoffs, even though he is in a pretty trash situation. I don't know how that he could be behind Shea Gilgicks Alexander, who I love, but still has to show more, and I, and I still think Jamal Murray has more room to grow. I think everyone knows that they believe that he can be close to a 25-point-per-game score and everyone always just wants him to be quote-unquote consistent. I'm here with they. I'm I'm banging the drum for that as well, but watching him in this offense this year, it's been totally different in terms of the way he tries to play with more efficiency and, and more, more headiness. He's shooting 41% from three on seven attempts, which is insane. He's playing off the MVP Jokic really well. Like, I... To say that he doesn't have more potential than some of the guys to rank him 14th is incredibly disrespectful. To have a guy like John Morant 16th, who was just the rookie of the year, and admittedly, by the people who did this list last year, was number four. And now all of a sudden, these guys are just way ahead of him. Watch for LaMelo's ranking next year. That's all I want to see. John Morant, it's because LaMelo's the new shiny toy, man. Like, John Morant was super dope, and the shiny toy, and we overlooked his flaws and stuff. And same thing with Trey Young. Trey Young averaged 30, and now he's around the same area, but because his team wasn't really winning in the beginning and people see the defensive deficiencies he has, he's already weighed down on the list, even though he's one of the few guys on this list that's actually even an all-star and an all-star starter at that. So, I mean, it's... The guys pretty much 15 or 18 and below are kind of just whatever. They're they're on a list on their own. I like Tyrese Halliburton, but they're also playing the game that he's not going to have superstar potential. He's a guy who's just going to be a really good player, which I agree with. 
but this list kind of is a little bit funky. I like LaMelo. LaMelo can probably be in the top 10 still, but I would still try to find a way to maneuver this a little bit. He's a little too high um, for my for my liking, and I'm not here to like totally denigrate the list. It's not terrible, but there's some names on here that just don't make any sense to be ahead of, of certain people. Even watching most of the games, you kind of understand that these guys are kind of trying to find ways to not only make a list that's interesting, but find a way to maybe be a little controversial here and there. Putting Lamelo at three is kind of something to do. So I get what they're doing. Just don't totally agree with it. You know what I mean. All right, y'all. So this is the the convo that I really wanted to to have and the thing I wanted to discuss. And if you listen to me on this pod, um, once again, thank you for listening. But number two, you kind of know this is a theme of mine something that I'm passionate about, something that I talk about frequently in this particular theme is speaking about the MVP award. So uh, last year was tough because it got really annoying because the LeBron media police, as soon as they won those back-to-back games in Milwaukee against the Clippers as well, it was like, uh-oh, look out. Look out, LeBron's making his run, and maybe he could have made a run. But guess what? Even at that moment... Giannis was still the MVP because he had the best record in the league and he was the best player. And I get frustrated with the way we speak about the MVP award, the way it's discussed by fans and just media at large. And that that stems from the idea that we don't really have a rubric or a standard for what the MVP award is year in and year out. And it's just narrative driven. And this is what the, the award just ultimately comes down to when that's just blatantly false we have the blueprint we have the standard we always have um further but uh because people have certain allegiances to players people believe there's narratives involved they don't want to believe that we actually have some kind of standard but we do for the most part it's the best player who has the requisite numbers on the best team that season are really close to the top at least a one or two seed you know Look at the last, I'll give you all the examples. Giannis, the last two seasons, averaged 30, 14, and 6, had the best record in the league both of those seasons, back-to-back MVP. James Harden, 2018, best record in the league, averaged 36, 7, and 6, MVP. Russell Westbrook, he's the only exception pretty much on this list. He was a four seed in the West, but he performed a statistical anomaly, averaging a triple-double for a season, which is why he won the MVP. 2015 and 16, Steph, best record in the league, unanimous MVP in 16. Come on now. 2014, Kevin Durant, 32-7-5 for the second best team in the Western Conference. Now, the reason that no one won on the first place team was because that was the Spurs, and the Spurs won 62 that year. They were the ultimate do-it-by-committee team, and they proved it out when they won the title that year. It was Duncan, Ginobili, Parker, Kawhi, Danny Green. That was just a team. So it wasn't a singular guy. It was kind of like the Warriors in 17 when they had Kevin Durant. It wasn't going to be another year Steph Curry won the award. Um, If Klay Thompson somehow averaged like 35 a game, he wasn't going to get it. And Durant wasn't going to get it because everyone knew the the amount of riches that they had. And there wasn't going to be any way you give an MVP 
to a guy on that team when they have so much offensive talent. So that's kind of what the Spurs had, just an opposite in terms of they didn't have star talent. They had a lot of team talent. That's what um, willed them through for that season. And then 12-13. and 13. LeBron was the MVP. He had the best record in 13, second best record in 2012. That 2013 team was really good. They won 66 games. That was a really good team. That's like probably the best version of this squad, even though it took the Ray Allen shot to save him. But it is what it is. Um, so, yeah, that is pretty much the rubric, y'all. But guess what? This year's going to be a little bit different. As the media will love to tell you and love to point out. The Jazz currently have the best record in the league. But the players on their team really don't have the requisite numbers that we talk about when we talk about the MVP. Gobert's a, a defensive player of the year candidate. That's nice. But no one in on God's green earth and no one in their right mind is ever going to consider Rudy Gobert the MVP of this league. Donovan Mitchell, he's playing well. Averaging 25-5-4. and four. Um, And if other candidates around the league weren't playing as well... Then he may have a good case, but, or he might have a case. He might be like D. Rose in 2011. It's, it's funny because if you think about Derrick Rose in 2011, that's probably one of the awards that's actually the most narrative driven that we've had in the past like 20 ish years um, because people really hated LeBron for leaving Cleveland. So LeBron that year, if you look at his numbers all across the board, better than Derrick Rose, but the Bulls had the best record in the East and he averaged 25 points in seven and a half assist that year so d rose was good but you kind of look at donovan mitchell it's almost the same just two assists less so that's kind of that kind of would be the case for donovan but there's just so many other candidates around the league that his numbers aren't going to stand out against those guys there's plus the league is just so much different um nowadays than it was back then i think 25 points per game is a little bit different in 2011 versus in in 2020 and 2021 um let's look at some other guys so you have the nets the nets have been amazing they're tied for the best record in the east and since james harden's been traded there he's been spectacular averaging 25 11 and 8 um but there is going to be some narrative stink on him it shouldn't be because this is this award isn't um this award is a basketball award. It's not the is he a dick award. Like he got his way out of Houston, which is trash, and half the games he played in Houston were bad. The other half were good. People want to use that against him, but also want to forget that in the first game he dropped like 44 11 and 8. <laughs> so it's he he purposely got himself out of there and I think that's definitely going to affect some voters and it shouldn't because it should be about what happens on the court. Um, and since he's been in Brooklyn, he's been absolutely incredible. But now he's going to end up missing more time because he's going to have that hurt hamstring miss at least 10 days, maybe even more. Considering how careful they were with Kevin Durant, we're going to see how careful they are with with James Harden. So some chinks are starting to show up in his armor for his MVP case. Joel Embiid came back a couple games ago, which has been awesome. And Joel Embiid's great. And his numbers are going to be amazing. But... He's going to end up missing so much time that that's probably going to disqualify him as well. And the same goes for LeBron. Um, He's going to end up missing four to six weeks. That's a big chunk of the schedule to say that you're the MVP when you only played this amount of games. But let's go ahead and look at it this way. And this is kind of something I even fought with um, 
this year actually because NBA history tells us a lot about what's going to happen in the future. You got to meet the prerequisites. It's those three things I kind of talked about earlier. You're the best player with the requisite numbers with the best if not close to the best record in the league. If you have those three, if you lock those down, you're going to be the MVP most likely unless some crazy statistical anomaly happens or something wild happens that's pretty much what's going to happen and that's what we have this year except the one guy i'm going to talk about has met every prerequisite he has set the table he's 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 cooked the meal he's got dessert ready for you in the freezer and he's met every priestly criteria except for one area and that's the wins Everyone's falling off like flies, but there's one guy who has not missed a game all season, and the guy who has been the MVP all along, and that is Nikola Jokic. By nearly every statistical measure, he has been the best NBA. He's been the best player in the NBA this year. But the Nuggets got off to a slow start, and because of that, You have pundits early on talking about, I can't consider Jokic. Just look at some tape of some stuff from two two weeks ago. I looked it up just to see on YouTube if anyone was even talking about this. So look it up two weeks ago. I know I shouldn't take his opinion seriously because he has the worst opinions of all time. But Brandon Marshall, when he was discussing Jokic, he said, You guys lost to New Orleans, so I can't consider you. He doesn't watch basketball, so I can't pay attention to him. But he's a big voice on a big media platform. So it's going to carry a little bit of sway. You understand? But but because of that slow nugget start, his, his, his numbers have been put out of their mind because a guy who has a middling record isn't going to warrant consideration. But the, nug- the Nuggets have found some magic some magic recently pun intended by obtaining Aaron Gordon um and as I said on on the pod uh previous um a couple weeks back I was like don't be surprised if my team goes on a little bit of a run here and guess what six and zero since acquiring Aaron Gordon they won 16 of their last 19 games over this stretch and it's moved them into the four seed and now they're only a game back of the Clippers for the three seed in the Western Conference. It's been an incredible run for Denver so far, and the schedule still favors them to where they're still going to have a lot of room to go ahead and try to make some moves here, and Jokic will still have the opportunity to put these numbers up. The only reason the Nuggets haven't blazed up the standings because of winning 16 of 19 games, you think you would, it's because the teams at the top have been so good. Utah's won 9 of 10, Phoenix has won 9 of 10, and the Clippers have won 7 of 10. So to say that Jokic can't win it right now or isn't the leading candidate because his team is the four seed in the more difficult conference, what are we actually talking about here? This guy's averaging 26, 11, and 8. And you thought that Joel Embiid's stats were efficient? You thought his slash line was crazy? My man is shooting 57% from the field, 42% from three. 86% from the line. Once again, stupid Brandon Marshall was out here like, Joel Embiid's averaging 52% from the field, 
and 41% from three. And he's also shooting 80-some percent from the line. He's a statistical anomaly, right? Well, guess what? The actual MVP has better numbers all across the board than him. The only number that's not comparable is points. And guess what? Embiid averages two more. That's it. If you want to talk about the defense, Embiid is maybe the best big man defender in the league outside of Gobert. So obviously he gets him there. But Jokic's reputation is that he's a bad defender. He's not a bad defender, but he's not a good defender or great. He's not a great defender either. He's an okay to good defender. He's a good team guy. He'll play well in drop coverage. You'll see that he tries. But obviously, in terms of his athleticism and his lateral quickness, it's not going to be there for him. But he's smart enough to put himself most of the time in good positions to be a smart and good team defender. And that's all you've got to do. And if your offense is that off the charts, he just went 26-10-9 last night as well. So, I mean, it's, it's starting to get ridiculous and it's starting to sound more ridiculous the more people who don't consider him the MVP he also leads the league in PER and since 2015 every player that's led the league in PER has won the award there's also a a number that's called um, percentage of win shares and he is at 0.039% something like that and that number would put him in the conversation to win the MVP award because players, if you look it up in the past seasons, not only is PR a good indicator, but that win shares metric is also a good one as well to indicate who is the most valuable player in a given season. Now that record, this is what's going to test the resolve of MVP NBA voters this season. The Jazz and the, uh, the Suns, they've been incredible, no doubt. And they may hold down the top two seeds in the Western Conference, but no one on either of those teams has the requisite numbers or numbers that are even close to what Jokic is doing. Devin Booker, nice season. Chris Paul, nice season. Like I said before, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, nice seasons. But none of them are even sniffing what Jokic is doing on the offensive end and at an efficiency standpoint. It's ridiculous. So are the voters going to be bold enough and actually smart enough to know that this man has the best numbers, has played in the most games, and if this team finishes in the three spot in the more difficult conference, are they going to open their eyes and vote for him? I believe they should. I believe that they should. All factors considered. But just put your TV on, go ahead and, and check your phone, maybe go on YouTube or however you watch stuff, listen to the talking heads. You might get 10 seconds of them talking about um, the exploits of Jokic, unless it's my guys Jalen and Jacoby, because they're down with the cause. I feel them. Um, shout out to my guy Zach Lowe as well. He just knows. Uh, but you get guys like Nick Wright, who does like this little awards medal thing for every NBA night. Um, he'll give like a bronze, silver, and a gold out. And before they gave out the awards... They showed 10 seconds of a Jokic highlight and showed that like, hey, sorry, Jokic, you're a victim of your own success. You didn't play the fourth quarter, so I can't put you in the bronze spot. So he ends up putting Zion in the bronze spot, and we know why Zion's there. <laughs> and I got to tell you all why, but Zion won the bronze spot because he had 34 points and five rebounds that night. 
He shot 67% from the field. And guess what? They lost. His team lost. But this man still got on Nick Wright's imaginary medal stand when Jokic, in 27 minutes, didn't even need to play the fourth quarter. 27, 11, and 8. 81% shooting. In a dub. A smashing. But he doesn't deserve to be on Nick Wright's medal stand. Okay. Brandon Marshall, who does nothing but yell and pop veins out of his head, knows nothing. I I I tried. I want to be. I'm. If the media is not going to cape for my guy, I'm gonna do it. But it's kind of funny because I don't think I really need to. I think eventually, if you just look at things objectively, and it's funny because I don't have to look at things like. I'm a Denver Nuggets fan. If you look at the numbers objectively, if you just look and pay attention to what's been happening in this season, Nikola Jokic has been the MVP all along. All right, just going to keep it short and sweet for y'all for the 50th episode. Once again, I want to thank you guys for listening to the episode. This is episode 50 of the Good Look Podcast. I'm your host, Leonard Pinckney, a.k.a. Agent P, a.k.a. L. Pinckney. Thank you guys again for supporting the episodes. All of them on the YouTubes. I'm going to go ahead and get the videos up again soon. Um, That'll be worked on. So just hopefully stay patient with me. And I'm going to keep these things going. Y'all appreciate you again for listening. Um, At the Good Look Podcast on the Instagram. You'll find the links there as well. Um, We'll keep it pushing, y'all. Have a good one. It's the good look podcast. It's the it's the it's the it's the it's the good look podcast.